0: Welcome to the Mission Driven Mom podcast. This podcast is for moms just like you, who want to learn how to glorify God through finding and embracing true principles, discovering and developing your greatest gifts, and using them to serve your family and community. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Audrey Rindlisbacher, author of The Mission Driven Life and founder of The Mission Driven Mom. Thank you so much for sharing out this podcast and reviewing it, letting friends and family know about what we're doing at the Mission Driven Mom. We've seen good, consistent growth and it's really fun to watch. We want to remind you that until the end of May, the MDM Celebration event is still on sale. I've mentioned that in a couple of past podcasts, but if you're not on our mailing list, make sure and get on there so you don't miss any of these uh, special sales and things like that that we offer and you can do that by opting in for the Mission Driven Life audiobook on the website right now and that will go away soon so I would recommend you get that while we still have it available. Today we get to continue our series on the seven laws of life mission found in my book The Mission Driven Life. We finished up law one last month and this year we're moving on to law two and principle one. Now law two is about loving yourself and there's actually a lot of hashtag self-love out there (laughs) is um, I'm discovering not always real healthy and not what we want to do and I've said for a long time you know one of the biggest problems that we have just chronically in the west today but as women and as moms is that we really don't understand what it means to properly love ourselves. I know a lot of women who, you know, they go on weekends with their girlfriends, get their own nails done, go shopping, and those are fine things to do. They're good things to do. They're not that they shouldn't do those, but they aren't the things that you genuinely need, and they aren't the things that are really going to help you love yourself better. When we talk about self-love, we talk about loving ourselves properly, We're talking about understanding and meeting our real needs. We've talked about this in the Lighting Our Lamps this last month uh, in the Mastermind Facebook group because it's such an important principle to recognize that we have these real needs and that we will only truly feel good and have the necessary positive energy to bring to our lives into the world until those real needs are met. And I've talked about them on the podcast previously, but that's really what we're focusing on here with self-love. There's three principles, self-care, self-management, and self-discovery. And when we talk about the principle of loving ourselves, the um, kind of, you know, tagline or Brief statement that really expresses what's meant by that what the principle truly is what this law really means and it's striving for self mastery. I say a lot that You are the only person you're going to spend your whole life with everybody else is going to come and go and So it really is important that you like yourself and you're only going to like yourself if you love yourself Love is a verb. It's an action. It's a choice that we make It's something that we do that we can act on. So when we're loving ourselves, we're not waiting around for certain emotions to be generated. We're taking certain actions to care for ourselves properly. We're striving for self-mastery. One of the most important purposes of life is to bring our physical body into subjection to our spirits that reside inside us, to the best that's in us, to the nobleness in our soul. And to nurture that, to nurture our consciences, to listen to the, um, the truths about right and wrong that is written on our hearts. All of that kind of thing is part of this journey of self-mastery. Our relationships, all the external relationships that we have are founded upon our two fundamental relationships, our relationship with ourself and our relationship with God. And every other relationship that we have all throughout our life is going to reflect the quality of those relationships. Because nobody usually is going to treat us better than we treat ourselves. We're always communicating how others ought to treat us and what our expectations are in their treatment of us by the way that we treat ourselves. And so this is just absolutely so fundamentally critical It's got the principles of self-love have got to be learned and internalized. And so as first principles, the idea of having real needs is a universal first first principle. The idea of needing to engage in self-control is a universal first principle. The idea that we each have unique gifts and talents to develop is a universal first principle. The law is we should love ourselves. These are the first three first principles. And from these first principles fall the principles of how to go about this, which are delineated in level one of the MBM Academy. (laughs) There are books and videos and uh, resources there, activities that help you engage in this process to better love God and to make that a priority. And to better love yourself because that's the foundation of everything else. When we understand those two natural laws and the first principles and then we engage in the principles and applying those principles, we will see the fruits in every other area of our life as we engage in self-discovery, we'll know better what we should spend our life doing, how we should develop ourselves and how God can best use us to bless others. As we engage in proper self-management, we'll stay out of being a victim, we'll become true creators, we won't fall into self-deception, all those other tools that we talk about there. And today we get to talk about the first one of meeting our needs, self-care. The first principle that we have real needs and they must be met and that we are the only ones that can meet our real needs. No one else can meet those needs for us we have to do it for ourselves. And so I want to start out with a story. It's a, a, a true story about a man named Dave Rubin. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Rubin Report, but it's on YouTube. It might be somewhere else too, maybe on his website. And um, he's very, very intelligent, very well-educated, a very um, interesting man to listen to. He does mostly pretty much interviews on his shows, has been doing this for many, many years. And Dave Rubin was, I should say, uh, a very liberal, homosexual man. And um, he started out his show when he first got started with certain uh, ideas about himself, certain beliefs about who he was and what was important to him and what needed to happen politically and what needed to happen in our nation and all those kinds of things. And he was putting those forward. Now he is always, and this is really the, the fundamentally super great thing about Dave Rubin. And that is that he was always interested in listening to all sides of the argument. So he was always interested in having guests that spoke from all political spectrums and religious spectrums, etc. And a lot of people thought that was odd because we like to listen to things that we agree with. And so often news sources are built around a certain worldview and paradigm, and you can go there and be affirmed in the things that you already believe. Well, Dave Rubin took a different approach and he started interviewing and talking to people across the spectrum, although he had his own perceptions and paradigms and beliefs. And he would fight for those, you know, and he would bring those up and talk about those. And then over the last, I don't know, three, four, five years, something really interesting has happened to him. Because he was looking at all sides of the spectrum, and interviewing all different kinds of people from different backgrounds with different belief systems, He interacted with people who believed things that were quite different than him from the perspective of the world, why we're here, um, what the purpose of life is, and especially what should be happening, you know, politically in the West and especially in the United States. And he became friends with men like Ben Shapiro and Jordan Peterson and other People on the other side of the spectrum from him, that are conservative thinkers. Ben Shapiro is a very devout Jew, and um, something very interesting started to happen to him. So, if you go back a little bit, he was raised in a very conservative Jewish home, and it was it was kosher, Shabbat on Saturday nights, um, all of the you know rituals within in the conservative Jewish tradition. But side by side with that, there were strong secular beliefs in his home and in his family. And as he grew up, he kind of grew out of that. He wasn't interested in those rituals. And he didn't really, in fact, he, he makes the comment that, and this is true, that there's actually more people that identify themselves ethnic, ethnically as Jews rather than religiously as Jews. That's why when you do a, a test of like, you know, where are people at, are at on the religious spectrum, you'll get a large percentage of Jews that don't believe in God, which will seem odd, but it's simply because it's like saying they're Americans or they're, you know, um, Chinese. It's an ethnic connection rather than a religious connection. And so that's kind of where he was at. I'm Jewish, but not a believing Jew. And, um, smart, going out there, doing these interviews. So he has this, a couple things happen to him within a couple years period of time. First of all, before all of this happens, he kind of has a, what he calls a political conversion. And I'm going to, I'll link a couple uh, videos for you in the podcast notes and in the mastermind group, we can watch and discuss those of interviews with him. But he talks about how he had this kind of political conversion where he started to see that many of the beliefs in the liberal, especially extreme liberal camp, were not adding up. They weren't making sense. There was a lot of, you know, it's a postmodernist worldview and a lot of it was around, you know, what's true today, wasn't true yesterday, might not be true tomorrow. There weren't a lot of solid things to hold on to, to believe in, to really latch on to and over time he started to think wow maybe there's you know he started to see truth in you know a more conservative perception like there are natural rights you know and those rights ought to be protected and liberty is the goal and all that kind of thing and in fact uh, I remember years ago watching an interview he did with Ben Shapiro and he was really shocked when Ben Shapiro was talking to him about, well, I don't care if you're homosexual or not. I just care what some of these laws are. And this is the reason why I care what these laws are. And that really, you know, Dave was really taken back by that. Like, wow, I'm why, you know, I, I would think, you know, you're this conservative Jew, that you would think this other way. And, and Ben was like, well, I, I just believe in liberty, right? So I, I want you to have liberty, but we, they have to, it has to be within the confines of this frame of reference. So he has this political conversion. In the meantime, a couple things happen. One thing that happens is he has a string of atheist um, interviews on his show. Really, really high-profile atheists who speak for atheism and who engage in debates and have lots to say around that. And he he interviews them. And then he winds up going on tour with Jordan Peterson. And I don't know how that happened or why that happened. But they went all over the world for a year. He said 110 stops in one year. And if you have listened to Jordan Peterson at all, you know that he talks a lot about the conscience, personal responsibility. He has a whole biblical series. Now, Jordan Peterson will tell you he won't say he believes in God, but he behaves as if there is a God, which is odd because there's a lot of ramifications about actually outwardly saying, I believe in God that I think he's not sure he's ready for or whatever. So he doesn't ever say, yes, I believe in this kind of God kind of thing. But he talks about a supreme power that, you know, tells us, gives us a sense of, of right and wrong and conscience and these the wisdom of the Bible and he has this biblical series. And so Dave Rubin is with him this whole year, listening to him over and over again, discussing with him as much as he wants to discuss with him. And um, he says, you're listening to this innovative thinker, the most important philosopher of our time. And he gave his biblical talks and explained that there has to be a bedrock something real and true outside of us and he said it moved me over the course of the year that we did this together and so in the meantime I don't know if it was before this or after this in the midst of this Dave Rubin has a practice which I absolutely love and I think I really want to adopt he takes one month a year I think it's August off the grid he puts his phone in a drawer he doesn't answer emails. He doesn't take phone calls. He just recenters himself. He does a lot of thinking and journaling, spends time alone and pondering. He says, I did my off the grid August thing, turn off my phone, no news or television. I disappear and let my brain rest, which I think is phenomenal. And I really want to begin that practice. And he said, the whole time that this was happening, that he had this month of just quiet. He said, I kept having this thought when I was in my peace that I am not an atheist. He said, I came back and one day it just kind of came out of my mouth a little bit flippantly, I'm not an atheist. He said, I got a lot of hate for that one. I like talking to people from all walks of life and figuring out what the common stuff is. And so he got a lot of hate for saying I'm leaning in the conservative direction now. And he got even more hate for saying, I'm not an atheist. That isn't what I really believe. I really believe there's something out there. I really believe, he says, that there's something that's fundamentally true that doesn't shift over time and that gives us our sense of right and wrong and is a bedrock in our lives. Um, He said that he had attended this church hosted by Dennis Prager and Then he said something that I absolutely love as he was finishing up. It was somebody was interviewing him and he was talking about this kind of conversion to God. And he said, you know, I'm in it like everybody else trying to find the truth in the madness. And I absolutely loved that. Because here's a man who is practicing loving himself. He has good regular practices in terms of, you know, taking care of his physical body. He takes this time every month to take care of himself emotionally, spiritually, to meet those needs. He's learning, he's studying, he's thinking, taking care of his mental needs. And the result of taking care of those needs, the result of being an honest truth seeker and listening to all spectrums and all sides of the argument is that he was led to greater truth and that He came to a higher level of spirituality and a better understanding of reality as he met his needs, as he engaged in good self-care. And so that is what we're really about. That is what we really want to be doing. We want to recognize those real needs, physical, emotional, spiritual, and mental We want to be honest truth seekers, asking ourselves, what's real? What's the truth? And part of that self-care, part of that striving for self-mastery, and that emotional, meeting your emotional needs, is a practice that we engage in that I talk about frequently of telling ourselves the truth. And that is exactly what dave was doing in that moment of quiet and solitude he listened to the truth it was being quietly at a time that he was ready to hear it that truth was being spoken to him and he was true to it he positioned himself to be able to receive that truth and then to be able to receive more truth by Telling himself the truth, listening to the truth that he was not an atheist, that he did believe in a supreme being and something greater than himself. And then he took the courageous step of saying it publicly, of stating it loudly. And he took all the hate for it. People, you know, saying awful things about him, people turning off his show and not supporting and following him anymore he said that he lost a couple important friendships over saying that he was no longer an atheist but he through his self care was living more truth and able to find more truth and as he embraced that truth he positioned himself to find more truth and so this is a way in which we are living more principle-centered lives as we engage in self-care. And I know this may sound like a strange example because so much of the self-care that we talk about is drinking water, getting sleep, reading scripture, that kind of thing. But taking the time to be alone with himself in quiet and solitude, taking the time to go out there and try to find the truth for himself. Those were needs, the mental needs of seeking out truth and doing his research and his homework and spending time with men Honorable men had this hugely beneficial effect on his personal life. So we're going to spend just a few minutes right now with Stephen Covey. His last habit, of course, is to sharpen the saw, which in the MDM Academy is like the first one of the first principles is to sharpen the saw, which is really just exactly what we're talking about. And that is meeting these four fundamental needs. And he talks about them a little bit differently. He talks about them as dimensions of our life. And he talks about how important it is to engage in regular activities that sharpen the saw. And so it's the same kind of idea in the sense that loving God and loving yourself are fundamental laws we return to over and over again throughout a lifetime. And so that's what we want to be doing is coming back to these four, well, not coming back to them, infusing them in our daily lives. We want to be meeting these four needs daily and weekly at the very least. And he talks about that importance of that. He he calls it the four dimensions of renewal. Physical, which is exercise, nutrition, and stress management. He says social emotional is service, empathy, synergy, and intrinsic security. Isn't that interesting to think about the social-emotional that way? Service, empathy, synergy, and intris- intrinsic security. Because you really actually like yourself and you manage your thoughts and you manage your emotions in such a way that you feel like you're in control of yourself because you're, you're at peace. You know the truth and you live in the truth. The spiritual value clarification and commitment, study and meditation, and of course connection with the divine. And then mental reading, visualizing, planning, and writing. So he talks about the physical dimension first. He says we need to work on endurance, um, flexibility, and strength in terms of exercise. And um, how important it is to be physically fit. In fact, he had high, high quality of life up right until his death. Now, this doesn't mean sometimes physical things do happen that are out of our control, But he kept himself in really great physical shape, living these physical principles, and he actually died on a bike ride. He was in his mid-70s, still going on long bike rides, and he ran into a tree or a pole or something. I can't remember the details, and and then died a day or two later. And so high, high quality of life, right up to his death. He says... As you act based on the value of physical well-being, instead of reacting to all the forces that keep you from exercising, your paradigm of yourself, your esteem, your self-confidence and your integrity will be profoundly affected. Um, In fact, this reminds me of, I think I told the story recently, I can't remember where I told it, but there was a girl who um, had tried out what she felt like was absolutely everything during her teenage years to be happy. She had even tried to transition to a boy. And had transitioned back and then she talked about how she finally put these health practices in place and she was exercising every single day and eating healthy and sleeping and she had never felt better about herself at any point in her life than when she did that it is such a huge emotional rush the endorphins that are kicked in and all that kind of stuff it's um it's been proven to stave off depression and anxiety and all those kinds of things so just do the physical because it's so so critical. Um the spiritual dimension he says some really cool things renewing the spiritual p- dimension provides leadership to your life because who's leading you God's leading you truth is leading you principles are leading you and you have that You have something that you're following and then you're a a real leader and others can follow you. I love that. He says, the spiritual dimension is your core, your center, your commitment to your value system. It's a very private area of life and a supremely important one. It draws upon the sources that uh, inspire and uplift you and tie you to the timeless truths of all humanity. So he talks about how he would do Um, prayer, meditation, and scripture study. That's, of course, what we do in the MDM Academy, plug you in to um, your ultimate source of truth and encourage you to spend time in it. He tells kind of this cool story about a guy who um, was totally, had been extremely successful in the world, but felt all dried up and uninspired. And then he spiritually renewed himself and was... Uh, excited and on fire again able to move forward. Uh, a beautiful quote here, Martin Luther said, I have so much to do today, I'll need to spend another hour on my knees. One of the things that um, when, when James Allen became very successful after writing a first couple of his books, he bought land and moved out into the country and people would come and visit him. And one of the quotes, I don't have it in front of me, but somebody said about him we all look upon him as a prophet because he communes with god for an hour every day so for a, the, an hour or two every day he would go up to this hill and spend time alone and and draw great strength and wisdom from that spiritual renewal It's so 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 inc- important now the mental dimension is something that we also address in the mdm academy and in the mastermind group and through podcasts and things because especially for moms this is one that can really get put on the back burner lots of moms have said to me well i had my education i had my time it's their time now so they don't take time for self discovery which we'll talk about in a in a future podcast and they also and and i talk about it in the book there's some cool stories actually in the book about the ten boom family and self-discovery you should go read that it's really great Um, but anyway the mental dimension is really often something that gets left behind and so we want to stay alive and awake mentally because that's where the creative energy um, comes from. We renew ourselves spiritually which creates new purpose and meaning and mission and then the mental renewal that we do uh, nurtures that creative process. He talks about how we're so addicted to TV and to media and how those service, you know, depression and and other emotional issues. He talks about the value of a liberal education, which is what I talk about often. In fact, I should do a podcast series on the history of education, because I don't think that's well known. And it's important to understand. But basically Liber, um, meaning freedom and education to be free, and that was the education that men and women were given in America for so long, until the twentieth century. Anyway, he says it's so valuable to read broadly and expose yourself to great minds. You can get into the best n- minds that are now and that have ever lived in the world. And he even says I recommend you read a book a, w- a month, then a book every 2 weeks, then a book a week. And so, the MDM Academy marries this spiritual, you know, connection that you're having with God and revelation we're hoping you're receiving as you study and learn and grow. And we're nurturing the mental dimension through the the works that you're spending time in. He also goes on to talk about the importance of writing and organizing and planning all as mental um, elements, uh, ways of of nurturing the mental dimension of your life. And then the last one is the social-emotional. And he has a few suggestions, but this is one we hit really hard in the academy and we have some really phenomenal tools that have just really revolutionized my life and helped me so much. I had a daughter uh, recently reach out to me and talk to me about how we had been doing the morning routine, which is essentially the morning inspiration that we do in the Facebook group. And she hadn't been engaging in it with us as much recently. And she reached out to me just again recently. and was like, can we start doing that again? I I w- didn't realize how necessary it was for me and how my thoughts have become more negative. I'm telling myself that I can't do this and I can't do that. And I've got to turn that around and nurture myself emotionally and, and get back into some of those, those tools that are taught there. So that we can be the creators we were born to be. We're children of God. He's the great creator. And we have that creative seed within us. And rather than being victims on this planet to the tragedies and struggles that we that we experience, we can create the lives that we want to live. And we have the luxury of living in a in a country that makes that or in, in the West, in a in a world that makes that possible for us. So, so so much good that needs to be done. So much good that you need to do. So many specific gifts that you've been given that need developing in order to be of service to others. And it begins with the way that you love yourself. And the very first thing you must do to love yourself is to meet your real needs. Please put it to the top of your priorities. And and remember that in a home with your family, nobody's needs are more important than everybody else's. A need is a need. We all die if we don't eat. You know, we all need sleep. We all need spiritual connection. And so as the mom, the temptation is to say, well, I don't have time to exercise. I don't have time to read a good book. I don't have time to plan a social gathering with my friends and nurture myself that way. You must do it. You are, like we say in our Lighting Our Lamps Morning Inspiration for Moms, you are the sunshine maker in your home. And the way that you make sunshine is you make it for yourself first. And no one can do this for you. This is a space where it's there's no one to blame. You just sit down with yourself. You recognize that you have needs and you make them a priority and you will thank yourself. <laughs> I promise you and your family will thank you because you will emerge from that 30 minutes changed. It is worth it you can make it happen you can swap babysitting with a friend you can ask your husband for a little bit more support you can assign older children to help younger children you can get up a little bit earlier in the morning you can put the kids to bed early and stay up a little bit later at night you can make your needs a priority and you don't have to spend an hour exercising every day i mean let's temper it let's be realistic but um you must begin with those baby steps and, and work on meeting your needs. So my challenge today in this podcast is that you think about these four dimensions of need that you have and you think of what, what is the first thing that comes to your mind that you know you need and you put it in your schedule for tomorrow and you make it happen and when you are done with it, whatever it was, quality scripture reading, half an hour in a good book, whatever it was, you journal about how you feel when you're done. And that will fuel your desire to do it again. And it will help encourage you to want to do it again because you've got to meet your needs. It will make all the difference in how you feel, how your family feels, how the day goes. And maybe most importantly, because I know that you're all motivated by service and helping your families. This is what you must model. You want your children to know how to meet their own needs. So model it. Show them that that's what women do. Sh- create that model of true womanhood for them. Give them the emotional permission to make space in their lives to meet their real needs so that they will always feel good about themselves and have the emotional, spiritual, mental energy that they need to meet the demands of life. Because They're going to come up against hard things. And this is the, one of the best ways you can arm them to do that. So I would love to have you come to the mission driven mom mastermind Facebook group and report what challenge, uh, what you did with this challenge. What was the one thing that you decided you were going to do tomorrow or even tonight and you did it and you journaled and how you felt. I really want to hear how it went. I want you to come to the mastermind group and report to us because, uh, This will really fuel the desire of other moms to do this. And can you just imagine homes across the nation and homes across the West where mothers are truly sunshine makers because they put their needs, they make those needs a priority and they model that for their children. And how much more emotional, spiritual and mental health we would have everywhere. So. Please do that and please report. I would love to hear back from you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Again, go get your free copy of the audiobook, The Mission Driven Life, while it's still available. And you can read this chapter on loving yourself for yourself. You can engage in our Morning Inspirations where we're going to talk about it for the next few months. Uh, we're coming up on... We've been working on Law 1, we're going to work on Law 2 soon in that group, and we can have more conversations around all this. So please join us there. Please go get your copy of the audiobook, and I will see you next time.